We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Wednesday, June the 2nd, 2021. Today's show, we continue along with the Columbia Regional Team Breakdowns. Today, guys, we are breaking down the four seed in this weekend's regional, the Jacksonville University Dolphins of the A-Sun. Guys, I'll break down the Dolphins in their entirety. We'll talk their head coach, their 2021 season, break down their pitching and hitting overall, their top arms, their players to watch for as Jacksonville comes off of an A-Sun Conference Championship looking to make noise this weekend in Columbia. Guys, we also continue with the 2021 opponent preview series today, guys. We are breaking down the Georgia Bulldogs. I'll break down Georgia in their entirety, guys. We'll talk about the all-time series record, the last meeting between the two teams, their 2020 record, their head coach, how they fared a season ago, best returning players on offense and defense, as well as their overall outlook for the 2021 season and outlook for Shane Beamer's first SEC game as Gamecocks head coach. Also, your listener questions, guys, we're going to pack show here on a Wednesday, and it's all brought to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, Upstate Movers Group, superior moving service. They bring care and attention on their companies can't offer because they're just too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off of them instead of focusing on service. Guys, service is what separates Upstate Movers Group from the competition. They're not a trucking company. They're a moving services company, and they're also employee-owned co-op. The movers are paid twice the industry average, and everyone on the crew is invested in your success. They have dedicated professional crew members, and they also offer black glove service. They offer end-to-end packing services, custom crating and packaging for special items, and cleaning services as well. They're founded by Greenville natives and University of South Carolina alumni guys, so a Gamecock-owned small business. They also offer 20 years of project management moving experience, and they can offer logistics and solutions that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for. Guys, whether in the upstate or across the state of South Carolina, if you have any moving needs in 2021, be sure to check out our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media at Upstate Movers Group. Of course, if you have any other questions, go to their website, upstatemoversgroup.com. That's upstatemoversgroup.com. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it.
know that old saying, the rich keep getting richer? Well, the irony of that statement is this. As we're about to begin this show, breaking down, of course, Jacksonville University and this weekend's Columbia Regional, but our 2021 opponent preview series rolling on, talking about the Georgia Bulldogs. And speaking of the rich keep getting richer, news coming out that former Clemson defensive back Darion Kendrick is transferring to Georgia. Why do bad things continue to happen to us? <laughs> why, why he goes from one of our rivals to another? I, like, how does that news break the second that we jump on the airwaves? And when are we going to join the rich of the rich? I'm ready for good things to start happening to us. But again, you know what's a great thing that's happening right now as I'm talking to you guys? Happy Wednesday. Hope you're doing well, wherever this may find you, whether you're on the commute, you're in the office, you're on the job, or maybe. You have the day off here on this hump day, guys. Again, appreciate you all tuning in. And first things first, I want to say, guys, just how grateful I am for all of you. Thank you so much for rocking along with me, consuming the content, sharing the content, showing love to the content. As the content, hey, guess what? It's the month of June. It's summer, but content is still rolling at full steam ahead. And folks, I thank you all so much because you all are the engine that makes this thing go. So thank you so much. One quick reminder, guys. One quick reminder before we get going, and I promise I will not ramble on in housekeeping items like I did yesterday. I know I kind of got long-winded there, but I do want to remind you guys, if you're hearing the sound of my voice and you are, have not participated yet, we are giving away two tickets or two booklets, I should say, to this weekend's Columbia Regional. Okay, we're giving away a pair of booklets. And what that means, a booklet, it will get you into every single game this weekend at Founders Park, rules to be eligible are on Instagram and Facebook. It's pretty simple. You just like the post, tag three friends, and then you have to be following Dason and Shalabi Law Firm on social media. Like their Instagram page and or go like their Facebook page. Very simple. Really excited. We are picking a winner tonight at 7 o'clock. I have not decided whether we will go live for that in regards to giving those tickets away, those booklets away, if you will. But really excited about that. Really excited to uh, to make a couple of Gamecocks fans weekends and really appreciate our friends over at Dason and Shalabi Law Firm for making that a possibility. All right, with, speaking of the Columbia Regional, we will start on that side of things and then move into our opponent preview series later in the show. But we're starting with the Columbia Regional and we're continuing along with our Columbia Regional team breakdowns. Today, guys, we are breaking down the number four seed in this weekend's regional, the Jacksonville University Dolphins. The Dolphins guys of the Atlantic Sun, they actually won their conference tournament and that's how they got into this thing. You got to love baseball. It giveth and it taketh away. And a team like Pittsburgh, you know, some teams on the outside looking in, they look at a team like Jacksonville University with maybe some distaste and disdain in their hearts. Because when you take a look at the record, it's going to jump out at you. Chris Hayes Club went 16 and 32 this year, 16 and 32, 3 and 15 in conference. I mean, they're basically the equivalent of Auburn in the SEC. But what did Jacksonville University do? They won their conference tournament, winning five of their last six, and they got the auto bid, the automatic qualifier out of the Atlantic Sun. And I know a lot of you have a lot of differing opinions about that. You know, oh, they shouldn't get the automatic bid or whatever. Hey, it just honestly adds to the drama of the conference tournament. So congratulations, Jacksonville University. They are hot right now coming off of that A-Sun title, and they come to Columbia as the four seed 
in this regional. Guys, let's break down Jacksonville. They're pitching, they're hitting, and we'll start on the mound. And hey, you heard the record, right? 16 and 32 overall, 3 and 15 in conference play. The numbers are going to reflect that both offensively and on the bump as well. And again, we'll start on the bump. A 6.29 overall ERA and a 7.96 conference ERA. Ouch. (laughs) Ouch. There's truly no other way to put it. 423 strikeouts, 244 walks for Dolphins pitchers this year. Get these numbers, guys. This, This truly blew my mind. Get this. Hitters against Dolphins pitchers hit 272 overall, but what's even more astounding, they hit 309 against the Dolphins in conference play. So this is a pitching staff that was getting hit around each and every single weekend of this 2021 season. But there's just no other way to put it. Let's take a look at some of their top arms. And again, the ERAs are up there. I mean, it's crazy. Their top guy, their best ERA, the guy that pitched um, I would say enough to be eligible for this. I mean, it's not even under a four. So we'll start with Ryan and pitcher Tyler Santana. I believe he is their ace, nine and two on the year. So a really good uh, overall record, but a 4.68 ERA. You then moved to left-handed pitcher Jagger McCoy out of the bullpen, three and three with a 4.57 ERA. And then right-handed pitcher Mason Adams, two and four with a 6.43 ERA. Started double-digit games for the Dolphins. But again, it was very very rough and very, very shaky for Jacksonville University on the mound this season. Let's move to the dish. The hitters, the hitting side of things. Offensively, the Dolphins hit 262 as a club, 275 in conference play, so not terrible. A 334 on base percentage, 378 strikeouts, 150 walks, coupled with just 21 home runs. Guys, just to put it in perspective, Old Dominion comes in this tournament hitting over 100 home run. So not a lot of pop, not a lot of power in this Dolphins lineup. Let's move into players to watch for offensively for the Jacksonville University Dolphins. We'll start with outfielder Ruben Similian hitting 303. There's only two guys, by the way, guys, on this ball club that are hitting over 300. And Ruben Similian is one of them, 303 with two homers and 19 RBIs, also four for eight in stolen bases. You then have infielder Dakota Julia hitting 301, zero homers and 19 RBIs. And then again, infielder Christian Copel, 265, seven home runs and 31 RBIs. Now, the hope is this, that South Carolina will not see Jacksonville because what that'll mean is South Carolina's most likely in the winner's bracket. Obviously, Old Dominion taking on Jacksonville, the 7 o'clock game at Founders Park. I'm actually planning on sliding out there for a couple of innings and just watching because, again, yours truly has the booklet. I'm really excited to get a a little bit of a scouting report, quote-unquote, if you will, on some of these other teams. Jacksonville, you know, again, they they were the beneficiary of winning the conference tournament, and, and you take no opponent for granted, especially when they're coming in hot winners five of their last six but it would be a true Cinderella story to see Jacksonville I think even advance to Sunday it'll be interesting to see how old Dominion handles them again being the number one seed they're supposedly going to have this quote-unquote chip on their shoulder and that they're going to be wanting to prove something you know not being the host if you will or not hosting at their home ballpark can Jacksonville steal one early if nothing else, again, with a lot of momentum, but it, it's been really rough for Jacksonville this year, and they're one of those teams that just simply found lightning in a bottle. And I mean, it's just crazy because you look back at that record, 16-32 and 32 overall, guys, 3-15 and 15 
in conference play. And it, it kind of makes me laugh because it's just one of those funny things that, you know what, in college baseball, because getting to the postseason, right, if you get to the field of 64, it's hard for any fan or any administrator or any athletic director to look at a baseball coach and say, hey, you had a bad year, right? It's like, hey, we got to the postseason, especially when you're a school like a Jacksonville University is. So it's like they got to the postseason, but were absolutely terrible. I mean, terrible throughout the year. But in baseball, it's all about getting hot at the right time. So, again, Jacksonville University, the Dolphins, the beneficiaries of that, the Atlantic Sun Conference Tournament excuse me, champions, and they will take on Old Dominion at 7 o'clock on Friday night. But, again, we'll see what Jacksonville can do. I mean, like I said, ideally, I think, you know, if South Carolina stays in the winner's bracket, which we hope they will stay, I don't know that you see Jacksonville in this tournament. But, again, it's college baseball. You never know. Maybe Jacksonville can upset Old Dominion. Maybe they can stay on that hot streak and carry over some of that magic from the A-Sun Conference Tournament into this Columbia Regional. We'll have to wait and see. So that is the wrap. That is the skinny, if you will, on the Jacksonville University Dolphins, the four seed in the Columbia Regional this week. And all right, guys, let's slide on the football side of things. Let's move to that, our 2021 opponent preview series, because this is a big one today. You know, we talked EIU. We talked ECU. Now we get into SEC play. Now we start talking to SEC teams. And what better way to kick it off than to start with the Georgia Bulldogs? Kind of back in that traditional early season slot, if you will, as the Gamecocks take on Georgia Saturday, September the 18th, a 7 o'clock night game between the hedges on national TV on ESPN, I believe, or ESPN2, one of those two. But again, on national TV, on ESPN's family of stations, Sanford Stadium, the location in Athens, Georgia. The all-time series record, Georgia leads pretty comfortably, 52-19-2. That number improved a lot when Steve Spurrier took over as head coach, but Georgia's still with a very comfortable lead. The last meeting, of course, last year, Georgia had their way with a Gamecocks ball club that was really just you know, at that point in the season, down and out, Mike Bobo taking over as head coach. He had a freshman quarterback in Luke Doty. He had injuries abound all over the football team, especially the defensive side. And Georgia took advantage, beating South on a 45-16 to at Williams-Brice Stadium a year ago, guys. The 2020 record for Georgia. And let's take a look back at 2020 and how it went for the Dogs because they went 8-2 and overall, 7-2 and in conference play. And it was a really interesting season for Georgia, not in the sense of how many games they won, but who was doing really the quarterback position? I mean, let's call it what it is. The quarterback position and them changing guys in and out and guys that were supposed to play, that didn't play, and then JT Daniels finally taking over late in the season. But this is the way their season went. They won at Arkansas 37-10 to in week one, then beat Auburn, beat Tennessee, lost to Alabama in a thriller, which was arguably the game of the year, lost that one 41-24. to Um they then beat Kentucky 14 to 3 before falling to Florida in the world's largest outdoor cocktail party following in that following in that game 44 to 28. Florida of course winning the SEC East last year before Georgia rattled off four straight wins to close the season beating Mississippi State, South Carolina, Missouri and then Cincinnati in the Peach Bowl. So you know, overall, we're going to get into it in just a second, but questions for Georgia around getting over that Alabama hump, and I, I think certainly the plan for Georgia is to return back to the SEC title game this season. Head coach Kirby Smart will be the one trying to do that in his sixth year 
as dog's head coach. And what I think is really interesting about Kirby, because I've been very, very critical of Kirby Smart and harsh on Kirby, guys. I've said publicly on social media, and I stick to this. And I'll say it again. Kirby Smart is Will Muschamp with a better roster. I mean, bottom line. If, you know, because we all remember when it went down and, and South Carolina was trying to get Kirby Smart and, you know, Georgia got the leg up on South Carolina, if you will, and fired Mark Brick and then hired Kirby. I'm telling you right now, if Kirby Smart would have came to Columbia, I'm pretty convinced almost the exact same thing would have happened. Kirby Smart benefits from a fantastic roster year in a year. Now, listen, he has changed recruiting in Athens. I totally get that. I totally get that. He has completely changed recruiting in Athens, Georgia. But this is going to be a big year for Kirby Smart because expectations in Athens are extremely high, extremely high. I don't have to tell you guys that. I mean, it's really, they're getting to the point where it's national championship or bust. And if you don't get to the play, if you don't at minimum get to the playoff this year, if you can't get over the Alabama hump this year, when you feel like people feel like Kirby Smart finally has his quarterback in JT Daniels, I think fans are going to start to question, can this guy get it done? Will it ever happen under Kirby Smart? And I know that sounds crazy, but going into year six, guys, people still make comparisons between Kirby Smart and Mark Rick. People still do it. They still do it. So this is a big year for the sixth-year head coach, uh, in Athens again, how did they fare in 2020, guys? We just talked about it. Eight and two overall, seven and two in the SEC, beating Cincinnati in that Peach Bowl, 24 to 21. By the way, it was a really close score, and Cincinnati was a quality ball club. But uh, you know, anytime for Georgia, they don't win the SEC East. That's a bad year. So I, I think a lot of dogs fans would look at 2020 and say, "Hey, we did not hit our goal. We did not have a successful season." And you know, they're going to be looking to get revenge over Florida. By the way, that that, that is going to be a, <laughs> that's going to be a very very interesting game. Uh, when those two teams meet up. Guys, let's move to best returning players on offense and defense for the Georgia Bulldogs, and we'll start offensively because there's a lot of guys to pick on offense, man. They've got basically every top returning pass catcher uh, coming back. They've got every returning rusher coming back, and they've got JT Daniels coming back, who you know only started four games last year but won all of them and is looked at as a guy that is expected to blow up and maybe even be a sneaky pick for the Heisman Trophy. This year. Now, I will say this the best returning player on offense for Georgia, my pick would have been George Pickens. But as many of you know, probably to this point, went down with an injury in spring ball, will probably miss the entire 2021 season. So I'm going to focus on a guy who is going to play this season, who is going to be a big time impact player this season, and who's probably going to score a lot of touchdowns for the dogs this season. My best returning player on offense for Georgia is running back Zamir White, which is crazy. You know, it shows you how good the other runners in the SEC were when Zamir White did not even make an all conference team, didn't even make an all conference team. And I think a lot of that, the reason of that is because there were other guys in Georgia's roster that could run the football. Zamir White didn't have to carry the load himself. But again, 2020, still fantastic for Zamir. 144 carries, 779 yards, 5.4 yards per carry, and 11 total touchdowns. Now, listen, I, I know they talk about in Athens uh, with offensive coordinator Todd Monkey. You know, it's going to get a lot more to a, to a spread offense. And, hey, I'd agree. They need to do that because offense is what wins championships. You know, we can you can die on the ledge if you want of, oh, you know, defense wins championships and offense just wins games and Listen, you need a good defense. Don't get me wrong, but 
in today's day and age of football, not just college football, but football, where the game is geared towards the offense. I mean, the rules are literally geared towards offensive success. You got to be able to score. I mean, bottom line, you have to be able to score. Look at what Alabama has done. But I will say this. Even with Todd Munkin and the University of Georgia moving more towards a spread it out, you know, they want to throw the ball down the field. They've got the weapons on the outside. You know, people have talked about this is the deepest Georgia wide receiver room they've had in years. I think when you think about, or at least when I think about the University of Georgia and I think about their identity and what UGA is all about, it's all about running the football. Three of five starters returning on the offensive line. And of course, they have recruited fantastically up front. I think Georgia still is going to be a football team that wants to establish the running game. Bottom line, they're going to be able to they're going to want to run the football when they want to run it. And Zamir White is a great option for them to do so. Again, I think he is their best returning player on offense and I think he's a guy that 11 touchdowns a year ago, I think he will exceed that number this year. I would not be surprised at all. Actually, I'd expect him to be a 1,000-yard rusher this year and, again, one of the best backs in not just the SEC but the entire country as well. So, again, best returning player for the Dogs on offense, I've got running back Zamir White. Now, the best returning player on defense for Georgia, and this might come off a little bit surprising if you just simply looked at statistics, but if you know football and you've read up on UGA at all, you know this is the guy, nose tackle Jordan Davis. Davis, second team, 2020, all SEC. Like I said, had just 16 tackles, one tackle for loss, and one sack. But this is a guy, guys, you, you read up on him and you talk to different people. Jordan Davis would have been a first-rounder in last year's, or excuse me, this year's NFL draft. This guy is a top prospect for the 2022 NFL draft. He is a disruptor. He is a game changer in the middle of that Georgia defense and a Georgia defense that brings back a lot of experience and a lot of big-time playmakers. Jordan Davis anchoring that thing on the defensive front, guys. I even saw a statistic, which Jordan Davis obviously contributed to mightily. Um, let's see. Georgia, I believe, if I can find Here we go. Yes. Georgia's defense led the SEC in fewest yards per play last season, 4.86. And if you don't think Davis in the middle stopping the running game has a lot to do with that, you are mistaken. So, again, I would expect Jordan Davis most likely to be a first-team all-conference guy, maybe even all-American, and be a first-round selection in the 2022 NFL draft. Again, it's a Georgia defense. You know, a lot of talent coming back. they got to retool the secondary, but Davis anchoring that thing on the defensive front, he's going to be the guy they look to, and he is, in my opinion, the best returning player on the Dogs' defense in 2021. Okay, let's give the overall outlook for Georgia's season as well as the South kind of perspective on this thing. And the number one question for Georgia and Dogs fans have going into this year is this. Can Georgia just get over the Alabama hump? I mean, that, that's what Georgia's fighting right now. Because I think we all agree, you know, you can be the most diehard Gamecock fan and Garnet Glasses Gamecock fan you want to be. But the SEC East right now, it is Georgia. And then there is a sizable, sizable gap. Because Florida is going to take a step back. Tennessee's a dumpster fire. Carolina's got a new coach. Vandy's got a new coach. You know. Mizzou's still not even close to that talent level in Kentucky. You know, they're going to be, but they're not, they're not even close. Georgia, there's a sizable gap between the dogs and everyone else. So I, I feel pretty confident in saying that Georgia is going to win the SEC East. They're going to get back to the title game and they're most likely going to see Alabama. Can they finally get 
over that Alabama hump. That has been the one thing, the thorn in Kirby Smart's side since he got on campus. I mean, you think, guys, Georgia should probably have a national championship by now, but who took it away? None other than Nick Saban, Tua Tungabailoa. I can't believe I even pronounced that right, but Nick Saban, his crew, second and 26. Who can forget it? We all love to watch it. But Georgia, in year six of Kirby Smart, fighting to get over that Alabama hump. And the guy they're hoping can help him do that because one of the biggest storylines of this Georgia season is JT Daniels. Is he the answer? Is he the answer at quarterback with the dogs? Last year, again, very limited time. The former five-star prospect that transferred from Southern Cal and obviously went through an injury, and he's coming off his second year off that injury. But last year, was pretty good. I mean, went 80 of 119, 1,231 yards, 10 touchdowns, and two interceptions. Guys, we're talking about a quarterback room, and I know that uh, I think Mike Bratton, Michael Bratton was the one, or maybe it was uh, Josh, but I think it was Michael Bratton that talked about it. He was saying that Kirby Smart should probably be fired for the way the quarterback room looks right now. I mean, Stetson Bennett, Dewan Mathis. I mean, I'd argue South Carolina has a more talented quarterback room than Georgia does. But again, they are very high on JT Daniels. They feel like he can be the guy, even with the injury, even with the injury to George Pickens on the outside, which is a big one. I mean, George Pickens is A.J. Green-esque, like truly an elite-level talent. You ask anybody, he is an elite-level talent. They have got a ton of guys coming back in regards to pass catchers. Kiaris Jackson, Jermaine Burton, James Cook, who's a running back. Um, and they've got a, they recruited. We all know how Georgia's recruited, man. They just get whoever they want at this point. They're top five every year. You know they brought in a bunch of studs, a bunch of studs. So even with that George Pickens injury, I think Georgia will be okay offensively. And then defensively, like I said, you know, they only returned four starters on the defense. Jordan Davis at D-tackle, uh, Devontae Wyatt as well. Uh, linebacker Nicobe Dean. I know Todd, let's see, Adam Anderson at the Jack is a big-time impact player. And then Lewis Sign at free safety. they got to replace both corners and their strong safety. So there's going to be some inexperience there. But, uh, guys, the way that Georgia's recruited, they're not going anywhere. And, and I don't think there's anybody in the SEC East right now, honestly, that can challenge them for that top spot. It all comes down to Georgia. The only question for them is, can they get over the Alabama hump? And Athlon who I refer to, I go off of their magazine for a lot of these uh, opponent previews, by the way, which shout out to them. They've got Georgia going 11-2 and and 8-0 and in the SEC this season. They got Georgia going undefeated. The big thing is this, by the way, guys, because I want to talk about their 2021 schedule just really quickly. They open up the season in what may be the game of the year in Charlotte, North Carolina, B of A Stadium against the Clemson Tigers. And I've told you guys, I've said it once, I'll say it again. I hate Georgia. I loathe Georgia with every fiber of my being, but I hope they beat the absolute shit out of Clemson. So (laughs) they open up with Clemson, then have UAB, South Carolina at Vandy, Arkansas at Auburn, Kentucky, Florida, Missouri at Tennessee, Charleston Southern, and Georgia Tech. I mean, that's a pretty favorable schedule. I mean, outside of that Clemson game, you know, Tough road trip, maybe at Auburn. I mean, that's obviously always a big game. Um, Florida's always interesting, but I think Florida's going to take a step back this year, you know, at Tennessee, but Tennessee's a dumpster fire. Guys, I mean, they, they don't really have, you know, any crazy games outside of that Clemson game in the opener. But again, Athlon's got Georgia going 11 and 2, 8 0 in the SEC. And here is their verdict. And then we'll get into the, what this means on the South Carolina side of things, guys. The verdict is this. Kirby Smart team is poised to return to the top of the SEC East in 2021. 
the late-season emergence of JT Daniels at quarterback, along with the continued development of coordinator Todd Munkin's scheme, gives Georgia one of the SEC's most explosive offenses. George Pickens' offseason injury is a setback, but the Bulldogs have more depth and talent receiver than in previous years. As usual, a deep backfield is in place, and there's plenty of talent to restock up front. Georgia's defense led the SEC in fewest yards for play last season with 4.86, like I mentioned earlier, but a rebuilt secondary will be tested in the opener against Clemson and in a potential showdown versus Alabama in the conference championship game. Provided the offense develops as expected and the secondary reloads, Georgia has all the pieces to win the national title in 2021, and they got Georgia predicted to go to the Sugar Bowl against Iowa State. So, that is the breakdown on Georgia this season. Now, from the South Carolina side of things, Shane Beamer's first SEC game as head coach. And anytime South Carolina and Georgia get on the field, I mean, it's it's always must-see TV. You know, I know there's been some blowouts of late, especially, you think, last year, but that, that was – Unique circumstances with South Carolina basically having no head coach and a true freshman quarterback, and we all understand what the situation was last year. But Shane Beamer's first conference game as head football coach, and it comes between the hedges in Athens, Georgia. You know, I look at this one because I know a lot of fans are going to say, you know, can South kind of shock the dogs in Athens? You know, you did it in 2019 when you felt like, you know, I remember specifically you were 24 and a half winter dogs. You know, you felt like you had no chance in that game. And, and South kind has done it before. They've beaten Georgia. You know, it, it's it's not I know the the overall uh, all time series record is obviously favored massively to the dogs. But can the Gamecocks who knows, you know, Michael Bratton of that SEC podcast, he thinks this is a great opportunity for Shane Bieber and company. When I look at this game, guys, honestly, when I look at this game, you know, I ask myself, what can South Carolina realistically show against the Georgia Bulldogs? Um, because I, I think to expect the Gamecocks to go into Athens between the hedges at night and pull off the upset, and I think most people would agree with me. I think to expect South Carolina to do that is asking far too much of Shane Beamer's team. I mean, again, I understand what Mike was saying on Monday in the sense that, hey, Georgia's going to be beat up and they're going to be, quote-unquote, exposed, if you will. But when you take a look at the talent on Georgia's roster and you take a look at South Carolina's roster, unfortunately, guys, right now, it is night and day. And South Carolina, yes, they will have two weeks against EIU and ECU to figure things out, find themselves as a football team, find their playmakers, find out the guys they can depend on, find out what changes they need to make, what areas they need to improve. But, you know, when you look at Georgia, I, I do think JT Daniels is going to be a really solid option at quarterback. Is he going to be as good as everybody's making him out to be? I don't know. But, again, I think he's the best quarterback Georgia's had in, in a couple of years, probably since Aaron Murray. Um but the weapons they have offensively, especially on the outside, and then Zamir White, like I mentioned, the stable of running backs they have. And I know they lost a lot defensively, but they just had Darion Kendrick, who's probably going to be a day one starter, I would imagine. For the Gamecocks, I look at this game and simply this. It, it, it's all about because we saw far too many times in the previous regime. The problem was this, guys. It wasn't the fact that South Carolina was losing to top five teams or losing to a team like a Georgia or like a Clemson or like a Florida or an A&M. It wasn't the fact the Gamecocks were losing these games that they were underdogs in. The fact, the problem was this, you just can't go out there and get your freaking doors blown off 
every time you play in a game like this. And I'm just curious to see, you know, the way South kind of plays in this game will be much more important to me than the final score result says, if that makes sense. Um, I think it's probably a game where Georgia opens up as a three-touchdown favorite at minimum. I do think they'll be a huge favorite against you again. Night game at home. We'll kind of know what Georgia looks like, especially if they beat Clemson. They're going to be at minimum a three-touchdown favorite against you. But in regards to the Gamecocks, can you just show a, a pulse? Can you? And I know that sounds crazy, guys, and you're like, wow, you're coming in with such low expectations. But after the previous regime – I don't know how else to feel like we just at least need to have some hope because here's the thing. And I'm not comparing Shane Beaver to Steve Spurrier, by the way. But the thing about the Spurrier era was always this. Even when you came into a game like this where you felt like, man, Salcon is this massive underdog and they're playing one of the best teams in the country. And do they even really have a chance? Who knows? Whatever. You always felt like, you know what, that guy on the sideline is going to scheme us up and we're going to have a chance if at nothing else. When that game is over, when the clock hits zero, that opponent is going to say, hey, we got the win, whatever, blah, blah, blah. We don't want to play them again. Like, they made our life hell for 60 minutes. They made us earn every single yard we got. They made us earn every single point that we got. And that's what I want to see from this Gamecocks football team. Like, at least a team that goes out there, just go out there and make Georgia sweat. And I know that's low expectations, but hey, guys, when you're coming off winning six combined games in the past two seasons, you've got to set the expectations at a realistic level. Now, with that being said, you never know what could happen. I mean, South Carolina has done the unthinkable against the Georgia Bulldogs. I don't think you're going to sneak up on them again, a 7 o'clock game, a night game. You know, uh, I heard some other people talking, you know, it really bodes well for a road team when you go on the road and it's a noon game. And you're right. It does. It bodes well when you have a noon kickoff and you're on the road. Maybe you catch them sleeping. Maybe you catch them napping. You know, we saw that 2019 when you took on the Georgia Bulldogs. But what I want to more so see is a team that is just continuing to establish itself. You know, hopefully at this point, going into week three, we're going to say, hey, we sort of know who we can depend on. We know who we can look to to make a play for us. And, and, you know, it's just going to be a continuing evolution to see this team come into its own and to grow. Like I said, the one thing you cannot do that you saw too much of in the last regime is just get your freaking brains beat in. I, I mean, that does you no good, man. You, you, you know, they say you learn things from defeat, and you do, but you don't learn a lot when you get your just freaking asses kicked and you get shown you don't belong on the same field as that, as that team that you just played. So what can South Carolina realistically show against the Georgia Bulldogs? And again, Shane Beamer's first SEC game. Hey, this is Shane Beamer's first opportunity to make his impression on the SEC, and what better way to do it than between the hedges against the Gamecocks' border rival and hated rival, I should say, the Georgia Bulldogs. So should be a fun one. It's always fun when South Carolina and Georgia, and of course, Shane Beamer knows all about South Carolina, Georgia, guys. I mean, you remember his first year at Carolina? They went to Athens and won in 2007. Hey, he was there in 2009, or excuse me, 2010 when the Gamecocks beat Georgia in Columbia, which really started that whole run in 2010 and went in the SEC. So Shane Beamer is no stranger to South Carolina, Georgia, and what it means to this fan base and how important of a game that is. And I really do truly believe that he will have South Carolina 
ready to go and play their best football in this one. So it should be a lot of fun. All right, let's move to your listener questions, guys, before we wrap up, because I did take your questions on the Georgia Bulldogs and on this game specifically. We'll start with Austin G underscore 45. He says, what do you want to see in this game? There's always a chance, but you got to be realistic. And I agree with you, Austin. Jimmy, listen, I have not locked in my, my official season predictions, but I can tell you, I'm not picking South Carolina to beat Georgia. I, I, I just, you have to be realistic when it comes to the differences in talent between South Carolina and Georgia. I mean, the way Georgia's recruited, the Gamecocks, a coaching change, a first-year head coach, you do have to be realistic, Austin. I just mentioned it earlier, but I just want to see a team go out there and compete and lay it on the line for four quarters. Hey, you go do that. You play your tails off. You get everything you got. You got nothing to hang your head about. You got nothing to hang your helmet about. It's going to be – fans have got to be patient, right? It's going to be a little bit rough these first couple of years. And you hope at some point – what the hope is, guys, is in the first two or three years, at some point, you have one of these big upset breakthrough wins. Um, you know, like beating a Georgia would be. But to ask that in Shane Beamer's third ever game and first ever SEC game as head coach, it's just asking way too much. So, again, Austin, I just want to see a team come out, play inspired, play fire up, give Georgia hell for 60 minutes, and just see see what the scoreboard says after that. So, uh, Jay underscore Kasky six. Do you think we have a chance to pick off Florida and get an upset? Jay, you're jumping ahead of yourself in this, my friend. We'll get to Florida soon, but no, I've said it before and I'll say it again. That Florida game really does jump out to me as one of the potentials uh, for a big upset this season. I, I think it may be your best opportunity uh, at getting a, a big time win in the Shane Beamer era in year one of his tenure. So yeah, again, Jay, you're getting a little ahead of yourself. I promise we'll get there. But uh, no, certainly, I, I think that provides a great opportunity, especially when you see where it lands on the schedule for both teams. Never know. You never know. I, I think it definitely does uh, set up well for the Gamecocks to get a big win. Last question, CP3 underscore presents underscore. Nobody on Georgia is stopping Kevin Harris. Gamecocks cruise to a win in Athens. He says they cruise to a win. CP3, hey, from your lips to God's ears, my friend. From your lips to God's ears, I would love nothing more. You know, in closing, I had somebody in the Daily Crow ask me, Chris, would you rather beat Georgia, A&M, or Auburn? Georgia, A&M, or Auburn? And I was like, dude, yes, I understand we all hate Auburn, the Mike Bobo thing, whatever. I really want to snap the losing streak to Texas A&M, but, man, how can I say any other team than Georgia? Like, I hate, hate the University of Georgia. I used to hate them more than Clemson, believe it or not, until Clemson started winning and then their fan base just became absolutely insufferable. I think we all agree with that. But again, yeah, I, I mean, it'd be great to beat a man. So again, CP3, I hope you're right. I hope Kevin Harris rushes for 250 yards and Luke Doty emerges himself as one of the best quarterbacks in the country and the Gamecocks walk out of Athens with a W. Hey, it's the offseason. Hope springs eternal. We can all dream. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, guys. Like I said, tomorrow, we will continue along with the Columbia Regional Opponent previews. And, of course, it will be an official game preview as we will talk to the Virginia Cavaliers and break down Friday's game as the Gamecocks get going in postseason play in the Columbia Regional, guys. It's going to be a lot of fun. But, again, thank you all so much for tuning in. Again, appreciate the love. Appreciate the support. You guys are what make things th this thing go. And I truly appreciate each and every single one of you guys. That being said, have a great rest of your Wednesday. We'll talk to you tomorrow.
everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.